Yeah, I wanted to start with the with the Lovecraft Country before we get into our our usual shtick. We can, because you know what? It actually kind of ties into what we talked about last week, and just being able to, because Lovecraft Country in itself, um, you know, subverse subverting um, basically all of Lovecraft's things, um, and talking about it in ways that are actually truer. Because he mm-hmm. is racist or was racist and all of that. Yeah. And just kind of that kind of relates to what we were talking about uh, when, um, I guess, authentic voices behind the characters or whatever are able to be written and directed by folks that look like us. So normally this podcast dives into Marvel Comics and what we what we think about the craziest or wildest portion of Marvel Comics. And we'll definitely get into that in a second. But first, there was something that came out on HBO on Sunday that Steph and I wanted to talk about. Lovecraft Country, a Misha Green production. She's a showrunner. She's also the creator of it. So, Steph, first of all, hello. And secondly, um, this was pretty uh, mind-blowing in a lot of different ways. Uh, What stood out to you in this really, really strong pilot? That uh, I was terrified not when the monsters were on screen. Yes. I was terrified every single time uh, white folks were on screen and I'm pretty sure that is what they were going for Um, and boy did they drive that point home because my heart raced in those moments Uh, the monsters actually were a second yeah it's funny because when the monsters showed up I thought it was cool I just thought like I thought oh this is oh this show is now getting fun Uh, beforehand while they were traveling there was so much tension, um, and it was just so visceral in so many ways. And it was so it was so cool to kind of um, kind of see how this story was fleshed out because the first ha- half hour was kind of dedicated to telling us a little bit about who these characters are and uh, why they why they matter in this story in particular, and they lead us on a certain path. And then we get to the trip, and the trip takes us to obviously what we we've all seen heard and talked about in the past um you know it's funny like a lot of people asked on social media is a, is the sundown uh thing a, a thing and it's like yeah that was a mm. thing back then um and just <laughs> like the, did y'all yeah. not watch green book <laughs> I mean, I mean, hopefully you did not watch Green Book, but I'm just saying, like, for Green Books have won an Oscar and been as quote unquote popular as it was, like that's what Green Book was about. But that just tells me how poorly that movie did in explaining um, what sundown towns were, um, yeah, what those were, and how Lovecraft, like, in this pilot 
for the amount of time that they spent on that, which wasn't like very long in the way that you might be thinking to like help your understanding of what they what those what a green book is and why it matters. Uh, they executed that to perfection, something that a Oscar winning movie couldn't do. Yeah. And that it, yeah. And that kind of tells you a lot. And we had a conversation last week when we were talking about Luke Cage and it, really a larger conversation on the type of stories that that are told uh, for black people and specifically the perspective that is being used when telling these stories and i think green book is a great example of when you know it's not a black person telling that particular story and how it may just how do you say um it may just paint the story with a with a brush that's just not broad enough for a complete idea of or artic articulating what exactly is going on like for instance this this episode reminded me it gave me a lot of watchmen vibes from the watchmen pilot and how mm -hmm. that started and um it was just wonderfully weird towards the end and i just think that they did a really great job in introducing us to these characters and giving us an idea of the journey that they're about to be starting on so i'm excited to see what happens it was just so thrilling couldn't stop talking about it this week yeah i'm i'm just excited to watch the rest um you know i thought that i wasn't that big of a horror fan just because i thought like i didn't have the um nerves for it but that mm -hmm. uh, that's proven to be a lie. It's proven to be a lie. The more things I watch, like Sweetheart and Us and a lot of Candyman, whenever that comes out, um, yeah. a lot of the horror that um, allows us to tell our story, I'm finding that, you know what, no, it's not that I don't like horror. Um, it's just that I wasn't necessarily always a fan of the horror that, um, you know, didn't really allow us to tell our own stories. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how that continues on. Uh, we haven't even seen Michael K. Williams yet. We'll see him in the weeks mm -hmm. to come. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on with uh, Lovecraft Country. And I think at least at least a little bit in the in the next uh, next few episodes that we do, we'll just take a we'll take a brief little look at at what they're doing in turn in terms of the content, because it's just it was just a. It was a, it was refreshing. It was refreshing to see. Yeah. Absolutely. And so with that, starts Marvel did what? Uh, part of the Marvel Cinematic University umbrella. Today, we are doing the spectacular Spider-Man 138, Night of the Flag. And Steph, you chose this issue. And uh, what what stood out to you? in not only choosing this issue, but then going back into diving into it again. So um, this was actually my first, I was so, not now, but like I had just read this for the first time maybe a week or two ago um, because I've been doing some research on another thing that I'm writing on Spider-Man. So I've been interchanging between the Amazing Spider-Man and the Spectacular Spider-Man because uh, the storylines are like co-siding with each other. Um, so... Uh, this stood out to me because Captain America is in it and Spider-Man is in it. And when you think of like all American heroes or 
I don't know, like, I feel like if somebody who does not live here and they think of like American superheroes, like they're going to think Spider-Man, they're also going to think Captain America. Um, this issue stands out because it's both these characters dealing with the realization that there are some things that they cannot protect people from because of the way that our government is set up. Mm-hmm. And for Peter Parker uh, in particular, um, it really, really gets to the core of him. And the same thing with, um, so this Captain America isn't the original, it's Agent... Um, yeah, U.S. Agent John yeah, Walker. It's U.S. Agent John Walker, um, who is in the role of Captain America. And so it also hits him too, but um, I just felt like it was a very insightful um, issue. Uh, it's one where it's like, hey, what do you mean comics haven't been political? Because like, they have been for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And this came out in... I think in like the very, very early nineties. Um, so like it's there, the proof is in the pudding. Um, and I just thought that it was well written surprisingly. And unfortunately it's still very relevant. Yeah, absolutely. When I think about reading this issue and some of the things that come along with it, 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 it reminds me, of so much of what the last couple of years have been and the way that that I I saw Peter Parker in this issue and the previous issue I went back to 137 and read that is is somebody who didn't realize that this was going on and it kind of and that's usually what tends to happen and it's not just not just him and not just maybe superheroes I think in a lot of ways, we don't really notice it because sometimes it just doesn't hit home. And, e- and even people like me, like uh, or people like uh, you necessarily, because it doesn't hit home that mm-hmm. way because obviously it's not, it's not happening the same. But it's a reminder that, you know, these issues are not only relevant but prevalent. And there are certain times where you kind of just got to open your eyes and... I felt that Peter Parker, they took us along that that um, journey of him opening his eyes and realizing, holy crap, this is going on, this is really wrong, this is really bad, and um, the people in power just have no sense of empathy, uh, period. And when we get introduced to uh, the tarantula, this dude is just... Uh, He's just a dirty, dirty dog. Yes. <laughs> like, I mean, like, infuriating, actually. Um, like, I've never been so angry <laughs> with someone uh, while reading an issue. But, like, he really ticked me off. Because I also went back to read 137 just to, like, get the full story. And I suggest that you all do, too, because it's pretty much a two-parter. Um, but I... I hated him because I also thought that he was dead. But we find out that, no, um, he's actually a replacement for the other tarantula that Peter did not kill. Um, Mm -hmm. The guy actually just died um, subsequently uh, by himself. Uh, So it was nothing that Peter had did. So, like, I don't know. Just reading this, it just really angered me. 
because this was written so far ago i mean like so long ago like Mm -hmm. over two decades ago and like we're still dealing with this now and i mean like that's with a lot of stuff right yeah for sure but it was just like the more things change the more that they stay the same and it's um it's unfortunate because a lot of people should have had the same realization that peter parker does a long time ago and maybe they have they just don't care well i mean it's i think the the we don't care or not specifically us but just this country in general Mm -hmm. um tends to show that on a daily yearly monthly whatever time period you want to call basis and um what i liked about what they did here was you know at least they showed that somebody sees it and you know they don't they don't ignore it um right. Peter sees that uh in particular and obviously jumps to action and feels at a loss because even with all of his powers um there are just still some parts that he can't fix in this because it's not just something that you save somebody from and that's it there's documentation and there's all this other stuff that goes into immigration and what happens there that it really is it really is dark when you get to kind of like the nitty-gritty part about it and i think the other thing from uh, john walker's perspective is just like how yeah he gets to the point at the end where he realizes it but it felt like it took so much to get him there and mm-hmm. it's just a reminder of past issues where the the propaganda of the shield the propaganda of the flag um is just so pointed and is just in your face and it's there and they they remind they remind you that this is what they this is what essentially what they're always trying to do in how they present america as this wonderful place where you can come and freedom and all that good stuff but it freedom not exactly for everybody but they don't tell you Mm -hmm. yeah they don't tell you that at all they don't they don't it's not in the it's not in the the puff uh press pieces it's not in the the messages that they make sure that they put out there where it where the flag is supposed to symbolize freedom but as we've come to know, it symbolizes something else um, and how people see it. And I think they pointed to that in, in this issue a lot where where immigrants felt that way and they saw they saw the flag as something. Even John Walker says, like, people are looking at me in fear and they're not supposed to. So I, I found I found that fascinating that they, they went to the lengths to show that. Yeah, and then the fact that it opens up, the issue opens up with um, <laughs> John Walker having Peter in like this arm lock while a uh, tarantula is trying to kick him or um, stab him with the uh, the pointy things on the end of, end of his shoes. So, what a journey uh, from beginning uh, to end for that character, that character specifically, but also the fact that. Um, they actually give Mary Jane something to do well in the previous issue. And she's the one who actually is like, hey, um, let's do something about this and brings it to uh, Peter's attention. So 
I thought that was really important. Um, the further the character development of Mary Jane Watson and getting her involved in the story as well. You know, it's not necessarily in this issue. It's in the previous one. Because they even yeah. go to the uh, lawyer together to just ask. Right. Right. And I think um, the endless frustration that they experience, that she experiences when they go there, um, I thought it was wonderfully illustrated. And it kind of, it kind of reminds you where when we talk about the whole quote-unquote good and evil thing is that Mm -hmm. even even though sometimes you save something or somebody or something of that nature there's always gonna be something more that you can't get to and it's almost like you wonder if it's just like if it's just a simply a yin and yang thing or is it just like this is how it's always going to be, no matter how hard we try, no matter how how hard we fight. And I think, like in all the stuff that we talk about, whether it's whether it's this issue, racism, or anything like that, these these issues always seem like they just never end. And I think I I found the last page of the issue um, very poignant in that because even P, you know Peter's looking off in the distance and he just. There's a sense of frustration. There's a sense of loss, um, even though he did, he was able to put the tarantula away, and even though um, he was able to save uh, save lives. And it's still there's still just there's like a hopelessness there, and that and that wasn't lost on me as I finished reading it. Yeah, for sure, because and it also adds again something to Peter's character because even though he's a superhero, like he is still a human being like he still has um empathy and i think that is extremely important that um we see this amount of empathy from him um from somebody that he is not at all related to or, or friends with that um and not saying that you know he wouldn't have empathy anyway because he goes around trying to save folks but it's 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 I don't know, like it means a little bit more because uh, it's something that he can't solve. He can't fix. Um, So that empathy means a little bit something. It means something different to me, at least, Um, because like I feel like because he can't really do anything about it. All he can do is try to empathize and understand how terrible this is. It's it's funny. I always consider. Uh, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man to be the the wokest slash brokest superhero, and <laughs> it and it continues to show itself in 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 this issue because, and I think I think as they always present, and I think that's why Spider-Man ends up being so likable is because he's presented as not only uh, the underdog that makes it through, but he's also uh, presented as somebody who's like the everyman like he's you know he's a nerd and he's all these other things and um it's it's always fascinating to see him being put into these stories because he kind of fits all demos when it comes to that Mhm. no yes. i would wholeheartedly agree yeah so um in terms of whether this story would you like to see a story like this in um the mcu <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. One thousand percent. Put this in the MCU and bring America into the situation. Um, uh, and I'm talking about the character, not actually the country, but um, bring her into it or whatever. Um, I absolutely want to see something like this. 
It would be it would be so interesting and and it's funny like right now the way that they left Spider-Man Far From Home is he's technically a fugitive and that would be so cool if they presented a story like like that. I was thinking um um as I was thinking this morning, I was thinking of writing something about like what what Peter would be doing as he's in the midst of kind of being on the run. Like who would he talk to? Who could he associate yeah. with? Like those things would he was he would he talk to like someone like uh scott lang who's been on the run or just like anybody in general who's kind of had to go through something where people have turned their back on him um and i think the other thing that you yeah. know if you do something like this with the the way that the character is now the character is so young so it's like it's a it's kind of like a different a different thing and of course the uh peter parker's character in the mcu has been through so much already it would just be mm-hmm. really fascinating to see it, how they would present a story like that and um i think they could do some really good things with it if it, you know if if we have the right people behind it i mean it would be a perfect time to introduce a mutant or two yeah listen that's like that's the thing because who else what, would know yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think um and and we've seen Spider-Man's um associations with with the X-Men in the past um and yeah, a quick sidebar. So mm-hmm. we we always talk about um what's the next iteration of the X-Men, how you bring them in and what makes sense. Um I think one of the things that's been talked about on this show is how we can leave Wolverine kind of to the back burner and we could do something else to kind of um to put somebody at the forefront is there any way that you would would introduce the x-men in uh i definitely wouldn't do like a one-off movie i think i would introduce them personally like uh maybe one or two at a time in a spider-man movie in a black panther but not storm uh in uh (laughs) captain marvel or something like that just kind of have them popping up because there there's a mutant related i mean that's had a relationship um or something or other with all of the characters that are involved in phase four also dr strange so like i would introduce them that way uh because you made an excellent point about the fact that peter parker is now like pretty much going to be on the run uh in whatever his next movie is going to be. So like introduce that element, like what does that look like? There has to be a network of, I don't know, like the Morlocks or somebody Mm -hmm. um, where Peter ends up stumbling upon them. You know what? Yeah. And then like that just opens up the gate. You know what? Hell, Um, let the Morlocks (laughs) be the first X of the mutants that you introduce. Like I know, but why not? Yeah, it's not it's not a bad idea in theory cuz I just look at there's so much that they can do um and I feel like they would have a much better handle as far as what what and how they would introduce them and tell a, a more fleshed out story and uh kind of tell it a little slower in the sense and mm-hmm. and not not maybe rush it like like they did because it, it, it's funny like in movies we think that oh they're long form and stuff like that but there's really not that much time to tell a character story in particular so i think to your point you introduce one or two of them at a time 
then you're you're, you're talking about uh, laying backstory and uh, laying out characters that uh, end up being fully fleshed out, and then you understand them, and probably people will probably be more excited about that, and and I think focus on um, do stuff like uh, I'd like to see Scott Summers not look how he looked in the Fox version of these things. Um, is it's a very different character in the books than how he was presented um, in the in the films, and and obviously we we lo- we we love talking about Storm and Jean Grey and and characters like that and giving them a chance to shine even more um, in the future. I j- man, I just think you can do so much uh, with the X Men, but I do think that they're gonna probably wait a little while. Um, yeah, considering that this iteration of them just ended um they've been trying to get the stink of of new mutants <laughs> off of them they Ooh, just can't, and they, just can't I, they can't get away from that movie it has to come out it's about to come out so so i know something about. about that movie and i wish that i could share it on the podcast um but oof it Ooh, is gonna be tell, a day tell me, tell me afterwards. i am I definitely yeah, t- will, but... <laughs> Tell me well. afterwards, because we, we've actually... Um, I've made it my business. I said, we're going to review this movie, no matter how bad it is. Because I just want to see, because it's been three years. Three years that they've tried to put this movie out. And there's been just, like, delay after delay, then pandemic, then, ah, we don't want to release it. Then movie theaters and this whole and the whole nine yards. So I'm really fascinated to see what... They're so scared of. Well, when I tell you, you'll find out. I don't. And the funny thing is, I'm like, I don't even think they understand why uh, something they did is just going to be all over the internet. But um, yeah, God bless them. Godspeed. <laughs> That's that, that that's funny. Um, there was a there was yeah. actually a, a I'm watching bit of, this movie either way. So yeah. oh yeah, you know what? We may have to just have you come on with us, um, and review it. Just just for the fun of it, like I because I just feel like there's so many ways uh, so many ways to dissect uh what this is actually going to be. Right. And let me, all right, let me, let me see. Um, so there was something else that I wanted to visit in this issue of a uh, spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, we had a, we had a nice little side story of uh, Robbie, and um, and Tombstone. Yeah. So let's let's kind of give. How would you describe uh, the character of Tombstone? You know, I don't know, um, because like. The most interaction I've had with him actually has been from the Robbie storyline, um, from reading like Amazing Spider-Man and also Spectacular Spider-Man. So Tombstone like reminds me of a lower level kingpin, and I don't know if that's necessarily fair to say, mm-hmm. but like that's the impression that I get of him. Um, also like a William Stryker type character, I guess. Um, like those gotcha. are the vibes that I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah, so let me know if I'm wrong. Yeah, like, um, see, all I really know him from, I remember Tombstone from two things. One, from the Spider-Man animated series back in the day. Right. Um, and obviously he was Robbie's brother in the, in that. 
and also I remember the Spider-Man video game where it's one of the side missions and you and you end up uh, fighting him for a few. Never actually like really delved into reading into this character, but it's just so funny that he has that look and he's and he's dressed in a suit. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking like Kingpin, uh, William Stryker type of situation, like someone from your past that you don't want around because they have dirt on you. And that is kind of what happens to Robbie. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's like one of that's one one of those things. Um, It's one of the few things about the whole journalism aspect that they kind of try to visit with this and Daredevil and, and certain occasions uh, with the characters like Ben uh, Urich. Um there are times where, as a side story, it's actually pretty interesting. And I felt like in this one, and I think the next issue of Spectacular Spider-Man kind of visits that. Um, you get a little bit more of a look at Tombstone and and what he's into, what he gets involved with. And um, yeah, he's generally he's generally just an interesting character because this, since it, I don't know a lot about him, I feel like I'm going to just continue reading on similar to what we did with uh, Captain America and Falcon. Now, now as far as anything else that you found, because this, this issue, and I remember that you had tweeted about it at the time and said that we had to talk about this. Was there anything else in particular that, that uh, stood out to you that uh, resonated with you about uh, 138? Yes, and it actually happens, um, what page is this? Uh, page 14 of it. And uh, Peter wakes up from, you know, he's asleep, but I guess he has a nightmare because uh, he's got all the stuff on his mind. And in the dream, he's all alone and he's being attacked by all of his enemies. So um, that wakes him, woke him up and he's like telling Mary Jane like how um, seeing all the folks who were illegally here, how it affected him. And he goes on to say, like, I guess I've always felt like an outsider hiding on the inside, but they really are outsiders hiding on the inside. And I don't know, like that just really spoke to me because, well, not necessarily spoke to me, but I just found it kind of funny because if we're thinking about comics and how some folks can like gatekeep and um, specifically cis have white dudes who are feeling like they're being pushed out of this mm-hmm. space that is supposed to be theirs and all of this and they feel like um, I don't know like this is their thing and like they're um, outsiders hiding on the inside because they like comics or whatever and it's just like but no like actually <laughs> you are not <laughs> you're not oppressed in any kind of way um so what are we talking about right now and i feel like i'm not saying that peter is like that but he's having this moment where i thought that you know my life was you know terrible or whatever or i was just like this person who really couldn't function like that in society is just like but wait i actually do have a free range to do what it is that I want to do if I have the money to do it. But these folks, um, it's a very different life for them because they literally are not supposed to be here. And, you know, they're hiding in plain sight and the fear of that and being alone and not having anyone that you that can actually help you. Not even because the immigration lawyers, um, as we find out in here, are uh, sometimes shady and taking advantage of these people. 
Yeah, and and it's funny. It it kind of puts things in perspective for Peter because, I mean, I think I re- I remember when we read um Amazing Spider-Man three hundred and the way that he's talking to Mary Jane about like not feeling like the man and not feeling mm-hmm. like he's handling his business and stuff like that. Oh, at the end of the day, man, you could always have it a lot worse. And that's that saying ends up right. being so true in life and. And even in these issues, especially for somebody like him with um with powers and stuff like that, yeah, I understand it's a hard life, and you know you feel like a broke boy and whatnot, but <laughs> it's it it's always it's always interesting to see when there's a self actualization and a self realization um and i and I appreciate the fact that I appreciate the fact that they they wrote that into this and um that's the one thing with Spider-Man. They do pretty good character development in general when they're trying to uh, continue the story of this character as he grows. Yeah, I just feel so bad that I am just now like really realizing how amazing uh, Peter Parker actually is, like the character, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> like yeah. I feel really bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, well, I think it's like funny. Like you, you can look at the character in like two or three types of ways. I mean, we've talked about how he's kind of sniveling in one way, um, and it's funny. Like the character has been told in many different ways. Sometimes as a teenager, sometimes as an adult. Um, so it's always interesting to kind of find those little creases where you see the differences and obviously he's, the he's been pretty much defined by the uncle Ben thing and, and, uh, obviously aunt May is older. So this, this kind of, there's always going to be like a disconnect there, even though he has such a, a close relationship with her. And then at some point, I'm sure we'll get into, uh, the many women in his life, uh, going forward at some point because that's also an interesting part of the character that we don't realize as the issues go along but he he gets around mm-hmm. oh he, he most definitely definitely does um he actually <laughs> sleeps with felicia hardy uh the night before he proposed to jane it gets pretty messy oh my goodness oh my goodness and and uh, with that, like, are there any final thoughts you have before we get ready to close this out in terms of uh, what type of stories uh, uh, is being told? Uh, shout out to Josiah in the background. Um, and anything that anything you want to add into that? No, um, just like stories like this is what makes comics great. Um, and I mean that wholeheartedly. It's a beautiful um, form of storytelling. And. I, I love this um, because it makes these characters um, more relatable. It brings um, just more depth to it. So give us more of this. And we have been getting a little bit more of this, um, but like, you know, more more of it, period. Yeah, continue to, to, to make those stories that, that really connect with with the readers. That's what I would say. And I really, I felt like after reading this that it definitely hit and it definitely connected for me so i get to pick next and yeah at the, at the at the very start of this um when we when we came back from hiatus and i saw this i saw this issue 
and I said and I said to you, Steph, we got uh, we got to do this one. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna end up buying this issue this weekend or whatever, and we're gonna find a way to read it. Marvel Unlimited does not have it because uh, obviously there's real reasons why. And probably real good ones why they why they don't have it. But we are going to have to go to the Punisher issues 59 through 62. Where after getting beat up by Jigsaw in prison. Somehow, someway, the Punisher turns into a black man. And then teams up with Luke Cage <laughs> in another city for a couple of issues. And the Punisher is black. For reasons that I cannot understand, and I need to find out why. So, one way or another, I will get these issues in my hands. Um, and, Steph, however way you can find them. Um, if you find them for for me in advance of that, send them over. We'll read them. We have to talk about this. Oh, absolutely. And I definitely got you. Because, um, yeah. And it's it's always... <laughs> my rule of thumb is, if you cannot find the issue on Marvel Unlimited, <laughs> there is a high chance, there is a very funny reason, and an unfortunate reason why you can't. So, um, I'm ready. Oh, man. So, so before... I can look forward to this. This is going to be so much fun. Um, before we go... So, something something fun happened to you over the last couple of days. Um, if you feel if you feel cool about telling the people about it, yeah. Uh, what what's about to happen uh, in, in Stephanie Williams's world? So Marvel did not send me a cease and desist because uh, every night I lay my head down, I just know that it's coming. Um, instead, they reached out to me and said, "Hey, you want to come write for our website?" So um, now that the ink has dried. I finally announced, and I've been holding on this, holding on to this for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, that I'll be writing for their website. So I'll be doing a lot of everything. Um, so trust me, you will know, uh, probably from the headline, that it was something that I've, I've written. So it'll be, you know, character spotlights, um, pull lists, you name it. Um, I'll be doing it. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it means a lot just because. Again, like when I talk about these characters and I'm, you know, doing deep dives and stuff like that, like I really love this um, a lot. And I treat it as, you know, a thing like, hey, folks, don't be scared to read comics. I know like Batman's been around for 80 years. I know that Spider-Man's been around for like 60, 70. It's fine. That You don't need to know all that. Just. Let me show you where you can start and where you can feel like, you know, you know a little bit of something about this world that is just so massive. So I um I feel honored and it's about time. Like, I'm happy that that's mm-hmm. what they sent me. And that told me to like, hey, <laughs> our lawyers are going <laughs> to come after you if you don't stop. Oh, man. Congratulations. Um, I, I just want to say quickly, like, so I, re- I remember when when I first came across your timeline and I was like, yo, who is this? This is so, <laughs> this, this is so, this is so, it's, it's so funny. And then as I started to read your work, I was like, wow, this is, it's not only fun, but it's informative and it gets at the heart of issues and characters and character development, more importantly. And we don't have enough people like you telling these stories. So 
this is this is really awesome and um now nah, i'm i'm glad i'm glad because like i've been i've been grateful to like learn about these books and and learn about the uh, writer's perspective because it kind of helps my own as i kind of try and figure out writing in general so like this is this is awesome to see and um yeah can yeah continue success and yeah looking forward to reading you in this this is gonna be so much fun thank you yeah absolutely so uh lastly uh where can we follow you steph so you can follow me at steph underscore i underscore will on twitter and both instagram and there uh, if you check my bio there is a link tree and you find everything that i'm doing there there's a lot going on with steph these days and there's going to be even more to come so stay tuned it's, it's going to be really fun um I firstly, before I give my uh, followers, want to shout out uh, my co-host Jake Christie and Jerome Chang, aka Black Dragon Roll. They had an episode earlier this week with Jason Kirk discussing why Thor: The Dark World might have not been that bad. Um, it, I, I listened to the episode; it was really, it was really interesting. It was really informative. Um, I really enjoyed yeah. it. Um, I one last thing that I will say that I I admit Jake you were right I was gonna shake my fist when all of y'all decided <laughs> to say that Iron Man three was a good movie when it is not a good movie I I can't stand you people for continuing to do this with the Iron Man three movie y'all um, gotta stop I, I kind of what I can't I'm sorry I what? went back and. Yes, I went back and watched both um, Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World, and I was like, you know what? I won't tell anybody loudly, but they aren't as bad as I remember them to be. So I'll leave it at that. Alright, I need need 60 seconds on this. Um, So the Iron Man 3 thing, as I've all, this is the running gag on this show, um, is, listen, the, the, the movie was fine, until they did the 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 Trevor Slattery thing, then they just oh like, yeah, it ruined it for me. People thought it was funny. People liked it. No, I didn't. It was not good. I it, it just wasn't. It wasted Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley, a true thespian, a true actor, and they turned him into a punchline. They turned the Mandarin into a punchline, and and even Marvel knows that they did it wrong because they're doing it right now in Shang Chi. So that tells you all you need to know. So. You, Jake, and you, Jerome, who make fun of me about this, listen, <laughs> they know, and they're doing it differently. And that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but big facts, oh. though, because they definitely should have not done that. But, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I kind of get it, though. Like, Iron Man 3 actually was not bad until that moment. And that moment mm-hmm. is just like I almost checked out. I checked out. I, I, I checked out after that. So No, that's fair. And, uh, yeah, it is what it is. So, obviously, you can you can follow my co-host at the Jake Christie on Twitter, at Black Dragon Roll, Jerome Chang. And, of course, follow the show, Marvel Cinematic University, at MC University Pod. Um, so, Steph, you think we could get you for New Mutants? Oh, absolutely. Um, Because, yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Awesome. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at ACSpotlight95. For Stephanie Williams, I am Anthony Canton III. This has been Marvel Did What? And I promise you next time we will find out why this white man turned black. (laughs) 